Good evening. Welcome back to another episode of Two Guys Who Happen to Be Pastors. I am Pastor Matt Heath with Strong Community Chapel, joined as always with my cohort, my co-host, and also best friend, Pastor Glenn Davis. You know, you shouldn't talk to me so cheery like that, skipping out on a week now. You know, I'll tell you what, that's on me, Glenn. I'll be honest. You know, it it isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Well... Friends, you're going to find out why we have... It feels like it's been a month since we've gotten together. I believe our last episode was probably the, the New Year's Eve, sir. The New Year's Eve one, or the one we did after New Year's. Um, this episode is going to be basically our COVID special. Because in our area, it seems like it is hitting hard. Like literally out of probably 15 people that I know, 8 or 9 of them have it. This episode is going to be talking about all the ins and outs. I know we're sick of it. I know that we're fed up with it, whatever. But there's a reason why we're talking about it, and you'll find out about it here in a minute, here in a bit, about why we decided to make this the COVID special. We'd like to remind everybody and thank everybody for tuning in on, on the various platforms that we're on. We are all available on Spotify. We're available on the Anchor. Uh, site. We are also available on Apple Podcasts. However you want to consume your podcasts, we're probably there. We're also on the Facebook. I don't know. They don't call it the Facebook anymore. It's just, I, I mean, put it on the Facebook, you know. Put it on that Facebook. But, uh, <clears throat> but uh, we do have a Facebook page, uh, Two Guys Who Happen to Be Pastors. It's where we upload all of our episodes of the show. As well as some interactive bits. You know, we've got a photo up there of our recording station. It is literally the computer and our two mascots that we have. We have, to my left, representing Mr. Glenn Davis. The great Al Bundy, representing him. To my right, I have possibly the greatest action figure of 1995, Turbo Man. Started out as a joke, and now I, I like the Turbo Man. It is a cool toy. But, uh, you know, we post these things. We want, we want your interaction. Whether, however you're listening to us, however you found us, go to our Facebook page and give us a like and interact with us. We want to know where you're coming from, where you're listening at. Um, you know, and just kind of give us that little bit of feedback. Things you may have questions about. Things you may want to talk about. And uh, just kind of allow us to interact with you a little bit more and get to know our audience a little bit more. Lynn... It feels like it's been forever since I've sat down and talked with you. How are we doing tonight? Well, we've been better. Um, <clears throat> we went to the uh, Outer Banks after the New Year. Oh, yeah. and yeah. um, It's North Carolina, Kitty Hawk, Kill Devil Hills, Hatteras. We've, we've seen a little bit of it all. We're actually thinking about going somewhere new next time we go out of town. We've done that the last two, three years. You know... That's been kind of our co-vacation, so yeah. we're going to switch it up. Uh, beautiful area. I uh, caught a sniffle when I was down there. It's not a surprise. I have terrible seasonal allergies, and it was about 65 degrees warmer there than it was here when we got there. Uh, had a tornado warning the first day. I saw a funnel cloud out by the ocean. Uh, so the next day, it was like 15. It was, like, oh, <laughs> it was up and down, up and down. And... Um, I broke down. I never do this anymore, uh, but, you know, your childhood will get you. I went out to the Walgreens there in Kitty Hawk and got some Afrin. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
Don't know if it was the Afrin. Don't know if it was uh, just the condition I had. But when I came home Thursday, I was fine. Breathing normal, smelled everything. We were good to go. Saturday, I woke up from a nap. My face was numb, swollen. I had a horrific sinus infection. The root cause of which, we're not sure. I'm assuming it's a reaction to Afrin because that's the only thing it could possibly be. Mm -hmm. And um, I am now at about 80%. But there was, I mean... I went to the hospital after I preached on last Sunday. Oh, man. Um, was, well, let, let me rephrase that. I went to immediate care. <laughs> and uh, was promptly told they were full. And when I explained that I was short of breath and my chest were hurt, they still implied that they were full. So, uh, <laughs> uh, props to, to them. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, for one... I'm less worried about the COVID part of this as I am to the way that we have, as a species, reacted to it. Yeah. And um, I feel some shame. I, I feel, um, honestly, I've, I've I said to my therapist this last week, I said, you know, the future just doesn't seem as bright right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not because of the illness. It's because the way people have reacted to it. And that's been my take all along is I do not fear the coronavirus, COVID-19. I fear the people who are in charge of it, the people reacting to it. And, oh my gosh, how selfish we are. Yeah. You know, I'm walking stores. Shelves are just bare to this day. They still they look and like they did at the beginning of it, which is scary. I mean, it's looked that way all along. Yeah, I mean, we're too. What are what are people doing with all this stuff? I, I, I mean, I honestly don't know who needs ninety rolls of toilet paper unless you have irritable bowel syndrome. Well, who, who needs fifty five protein shakes? Well, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's just the weirdest yeah. stuff. So, we'll get into that a little bit. We do have some funny stuff. To go along here, uh, you know, the best way to make a situation approachable is to laugh at it. Oh, yeah. So, we'll do a little bit of that. But, um, yeah, I was actually pretty pretty worried about you. You had a close encounter with this thing. Not to mention, your body decided to kick you right in the teeth in a different way. Oh, let me tell you. Well, and that actually segues in to our hats off to you moment today uh, for this episode. Uh, my wife called, so, um, a week ago, it'll be two weeks tomorrow, actually, I got my, was it two weeks? I don't remember, it's been so long. Good two weeks. Good two weeks. I got my COVID booster, um, you know, trying to be, you know, you hear all the, the negative things, like, what if it makes you grow a third arm or whatever? Well, I'll be able to shake two people's hands, whatever, you know? Um... But I got my COVID booster, and then literally the next day, the day after, my wife calls me and says, Honey, I'm headed home. I don't feel very good. I've got a runny nose, a bad cough, and a little bit of a fever. And I'm thinking, oh, my. So, of course, she works for a school. And uh, she was, they gave her a COVID test, and she called me and said, Well, you're going to stay away from me for a few days. I've got COVID. Okay. All right. 
And then the next day, um, we decided that Lorraine would stay over at my mother and father-in-law's because, you know, segregated, all that fun stuff. But she came down with a fever. They gave her an at-home test. I don't care what your opinion is, whatever. And she tested positive for it. So, in a matter of 24 hours, I went from being able to see my girls to not being able to see them except through a screen. And, uh... <clears throat> So we were getting through a few days and everything, and I'm I was batching it up, man. I was eating chicken wings and pizza rolls and all this stuff, all the bad stuff you're not supposed to eat. And Sunday morning, I decided I wasn't going to go to church that week. I talked it over with you know through the the board members, and we've got a lot of elderly folks in our congregation, like every congregation around. And uh, I'm getting ready to put a pot of coffee on the stove, and all of a sudden I had a pain hit me. A pain I have never felt before. It literally felt like somebody was just constantly kicking me and, well, I won't go into details, but let's just say this. It wasn't in my head and it wasn't in my chest, so keep going. You might hit it. <clears throat> so it got to a point... South, south of the equator, we'll say. Somewhere that, down there. Yeah, somewhere down there. So it, I was like, well, okay, whatever. I might, you know... But the longer and longer I waited, the worse and worse it got. And finally it came to a point, I was putting my boots and my pants on, and I said, honey, i got to go to the hospital. I don't think I can handle this. I called the immediate care, and they said, uh, yeah, it sounds like you've probably got a kidney stone. I don't know, but we don't have any of the equipment to handle you. So I had to go to the ER and sit through for about four hours. And probably the last 45 minutes is when I got the pain medication. Wasn't anything hard. It was basically just super strength Tylenol. Um, and uh, had a CT scan and everything. The doctor comes in and he says, Well, congratulations, you're going to give birth to a kidney stone. Friends, I don't know if you've ever had one. They are not fun. They are not, um, as you say, an enjoyable experience. Not even a little. Not even a little. Can't get a t-shirt. No, no, there's no ribbon at the end of that one. Um, so they pump me full of fluids. I go get the med some medication from the pharmacy. I come home. I'm home about an hour and a half, and all of a sudden I think, ooh, I need to kind of go to the bathroom. I felt something. It felt like something dropped. I don't know what. And all of a sudden I'm going, and then all of a sudden it sounded like a dime hit the toilet bowl. And I looked down, and I pulled a Jeff Foxworthy. I saw it. I reached down in it, grabbed it, and pulled it out. And looked at it, and then, of course, I had to pull my phone out and Google what a kidney stone looked like. Sure enough, that's what it was. Named him Hans Gruber, as I mentioned to you. Uh, because as it fell, I said, yippee ki -yay. Mm -hmm. mm. Get on out of here. I tell you what, boys, it is not fun. Get on out of here. But I, it got me to thinking, I mean, throughout this whole, I mean... And it shouldn't we shouldn't just be tipping our hat to them now. We should be tipping our hat to them every single day. The healthcare workers around, that the ones that have gone in every single day in the face of this and have, and my sister is one of those. She's a CNA. She's worked in the hospital floors in immediate in intensive care. Um, these people deserve our respect. I don't care what your opinion is, whatever. These people deserve our respect, and they have thoroughly earned 
uh, hats off to you, Mullen. Yeah, I had to wait for a few hours on su last Sunday because of a kidney stone, but every time that I did have somebody come in, they were courteous, they were caring, they were worried, but they also were like, I think they said they were like 80% full, maybe, in beds. And so they were having to deal with all that. The ER was overrun. They were treating people in the waiting room, Glenn. Mm-hmm. So my hat is thoroughly off to everybody out there who is in the healthcare profession. Um, you guys are doing something that not a lot of us could or would do, if I'm 100% honest. And you guys have done it every single day with a smile on your face. And my hat is thoroughly off to you and will remain off to you guys until, uh, well, not even, un there's no end date to that. It's off to you guys. Well, so, if I could, since mm -hmm. this is our COVID special. Go ahead. I wanted to mention, uh, I'm going to take a hat off to somebody. Okay. Uh, grocery store workers have uh, caught a lot of flack because... Bare shelves, uh, supply chain issues. Uh, I actually, for those of you who don't know, went and worked at Aldi when the original shutdown. Mm -hmm. And uh, just as a favor, I wasn't, you know, trying to go there full time. They, they told me one day, they said, "We're gonna teach you how to run the cash register today." I said, "I don't work here. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just putting stuff on shelves." But the amount of effort that those folks are putting in with short staffs because nobody wants to work. Uh, my hat's off to those folks for keeping us going because it's been uh, it's been hairy. It's been dicey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and really all walks and forms of labor in this country, supply chain. People who are working regardless of how well or whatever the case may be, folks, they deserve your respect because they didn't have to do what they're doing and they're trying to do it. So let's all remember that. And yes, the hospital system's a mess right now and it's filled up. That is not their fault. No. So um, just remember that when you have to deal. Like I said, I, I was sick to the point where I thought I needed care last week and you know I had to kind of grit my teeth and I got with a doctor online you know there there's options out there oh yeah so um my hat's off to the folks who who are toiling especially the folks in the grocery stores um they're the ones really keeping us going as well and um hats off to you folks for keeping those stocks shelves stocked and full or at least as full as you yeah. can get them we appreciate you so we're going to now transition to a wonderful time on the show, which is called From the Pulpit to the Person. Just telling about random things going on in our lives. So, Matt, take her away. Well, again, like I said, this is our COVID special. And I promise, after this show, we probably won't mention it again because we've been at enough screen time as it is as a nation. But uh, this is one that I've kind of been dealing with. I've been dealing with it for, oh, about a year and a half now, um, being in ministry. 
whether it was at my first appointment or, you know, where the church I'm at now, um, you know, how does the congregation handle COVID? And, and, you know, the thing about it is a pastor is somebody who the congregation is going to look for and actively seek out for guidance on a lot of things. And, you know, when it's something that it's an infectious virus that does not play favorites, it, you know, anybody can get it, whatever. Um, but how, you know, as a pastor, how do you handle that? Now, I've talked to pastors who aren't afraid of it. You know, you and I, we're not really, if we get it, we get it. It's kind of one of those, it's one of those things. Had the original, mildly confident, had it asymptomatic on Delta. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure in the last month I've had this one. So I'd almost bet money I've probably had this I one. I have been sick since November. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just kind of seasonal been a... Seasonal allergies, head colds, it's... It's one of those things, I mean, we 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 deal with it. I mean, you know, and it, it's one of those things like how do you keep how do you keep the congregation safe, but also how do you 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 yourself when somebody asks you your opinion, I had somebody ask me, say, Well, I think this whole COVID thing, I think it's just a bunch of malarkey and everything on the news and everything. Really? Because the woman that sits about three rows in front of you yeah, she had it. She barely came out of it. So I don't really think it's on the news. I think it's now. Granted, the news isn't the best way to um, anymore to kind of keep up with it because it'll scare you half to death anytime. But as an individual, after you leave the pulpit, I mean, it's one of those. Do you wear a mask going into a store? Do you wear a mask going into a restaurant and being around people and everything and and, you know, I, I, I took the jab, you know, I, I was, like I say, I was trying to be helpful as much as I can, but, um, you know, typically when they lifted the mask mandate here in Indiana, I didn't, I didn't, I stopped wearing a mask. I mean, I did. I mean, it didn't really matter where I was going into. If I was going to get it, I was going to get it. That's just kind of long and short of it. And that's kind of been my mantra the whole way through. Yep. And... I'll tell you, I've talked to other, I mean, I've, I've seen other pastors who they were like, as soon as it came out, they were into it now. They were absorbed in this thing. And to the point, like, we would be in the office. And when we would leave our, you know, we would be in the church, and we each had our own office and everything. And when I left my office, I had to be wearing a mask. Otherwise, I'd get hollered at. It's like, you're not wearing a mask, Matt. It's like, I'm going to get a cup of coffee. Yeah, you got to be wearing a mask, though. There's nobody around me. I'm not around anybody else. I'm literally going to the kitchen, getting a cup of coffee, going back to my office, and doing my work. Maybe that's selfish. I don't know. But, you know, whatever side you're on on this, if you're kind of like us and like, if I get it, I get it. It is what it is. Or if you're actively trying to, you know, if you basically take a bath in Purell every night, um, you know, is it selfish for a pastor to, you know, to not be masked, to not get, you know, the vaccine? Because there are some pastors I know that haven't gotten, that don't want the vaccine. <sighs> 
friends, I'm going to be honest with you. Again, like I've said, like we've said, your pastor is a person too. When they pulled the plug on all this, they shut us down. They said, hey, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. Churches are going to close. Glenn, you you rallied your church better than I, I've ever seen for any kind of effort. I mean, you literally went from having nothing online to doing every literally 100% online and had great success with it. And the church and, and my church, Tron, they didn't have a Facebook page. They didn't have anything until we went on lockdown. And they had... They launched into Facebook, and they and they we're still doing it, and it's a great success. I guess my point is on this. <clears throat> as we've said, your pastor is a person too. Are we scared of this, or are we facing it with the confidence that you know we know who our boss is, we know who's who's in charge of it at the end of the day. Does that mean we need to actively go out and start looking doorknobs and everything? Absolutely not. But, like this week, like I said, my wife and my daughter had it. Was I scared? You bet. But, I knew that my wife is a woman of faith. My daughter's being brought up to know who Jesus and God are. And, you know, I had faith in that. I had, you know... Even as a person, yeah, I'm like, this is insane. I mean, I, I never, I mean, I, I've gone for almost two years and never had to deal with it. Now, all of a sudden, it's right there. Um, but just, I guess my encouragement for everybody is don't necessarily judge your pastor whether he wants to take the vaccine, whether he doesn't want to take the vaccine, whether he wants to handle his congregation by, you know, encouraging, you know, or making everybody wear masks in the congregation, whatever. Um, don't hold it against him or her. They're literally trying to make the best of the worst situation imaginable. And are we going to make all the right decisions? Absolutely not. Um there's been decisions that I've made being like, you yeah, know, that probably wasn't the best thing to do. But this whole thing is an un, is uncharted territory. Two years in, and it's still uncharted territory. We're tr literally trying to navigate the health department. We're trying to navigate what our boards recommend, what the congregate, how the congregation feels, and that's a lot. That's a lot to handle and figure out. So just keep your pastor in prayer and all this with this new Omicron variant. Um, every time I say Omicron, I keep wanting to add Percy I-8. Percy I-8. Oh, yeah. Omicron Percy I-8. I am lure. I am lure. Mm. Or what was the little baby one? Gur? I, I am yeah. Gur of the I am Gur of the planet Omicron Percy I-8. People of Earth. <laughs> uh, but... Just kind of, you know, you know, it's hitting hard right now. They knew it was going to be a pretty good spike. But, uh, you know, from what I've gathered from people who are in the medical profession, from what I've heard and read, it kind of sounds like we might be on the downhill slide of this. I don't know. I hope. That, yeah. is, that is my absolute hope. Eventually you're going to run out of people to get it. 
Mm-hmm. So I uh, just keep up, just keep your pastor in prayer and all this, especially right now. The things getting starting to get a little bit hot and heavy with it. So um, now we're going to move on to a segment of Glenn, and we're just going to—it's just random things, random crap, straight off the rack for Glenn this week. Since we're doing a kind of a special episode, we—I uh, didn't have a note for this one, so I'm going to take it away, or you know, let Glenn take it away and see what's going on in his mind. Well, and sticking with the COVID theme, uh, when this all started, uh, my comment several times to folks, uh, particularly at the school, I was working at Eastern full-time at the time, was there's no possible way this is going to happen, the way they're saying it's going to happen. There's no way. You can't shut down the government. You can't shut down the economy. You can't make people stay put. And when they started trying to do that, I will admit I lost my mind a little bit. Because I still think that was, according to our Constitution, illegal. I don't yeah. think it was right what they did. And I'll never think it was right what they did. And To actively involve yourself, the government involve itself, with the your freedom to... Practice your own religion. I don't. It wasn't just churches. It was synagogues, mosques. It was everybody. GameStop wanted to stay open, and they were fining them for being open. Yeah. I want you to consider, folks, in an open capitalist economy, the government told businesses that they could either be open or not open, and you may very well be sitting there. Well, that was a necessity of the time. Perfectly acceptable opinion for that, I guess, but I don't, I will never agree with it. And I sat in my chair and I thought, I don't know this world anymore. I don't know what to do. I had a baptism to do, which we did. I put gloves on and, and we did it. But when we were approaching that first Sunday... You know, I was just going to record something at home, but I called my crew because you could have up to 10 people. And we had we had eight people up here, and, you know, we did our worship service. But when they really did it, when it was as bad as it got, you know, you couldn't travel, you couldn't do this, you couldn't do this. I sat in my chair, and I didn't know what I was going to do. I was, I'll be honest Full disclosure, I was half considering blowing my brains out. I, I thought the world had lost its mind, mm-hmm. and I didn't know if we would ever come back. And, folks, we haven't come back yet. <laughs> We're not, no. But um, I remember I heard a voice, and it's a voice I'd heard before. It's a very quiet voice. It's described this way in Scripture. And when I've heard it, it's been exactly the way I've heard it described there. Very, very quiet. Glenn, do you trust me? And my first answer was, no, I don't. Because <laughs> at this point... Yeah, how, how do you? Yeah. And the voice asked again, do you trust me? And I said, yeah, I suppose I don't have any other choice. And God said, then work with me. 
And that first Sunday we were online, people people thought I was insane. We had been using a phone and doing Facebook Live for about three or four weeks. I don't know that I've said it on this platform. I've said it in church, but I got the idea to use Facebook Live because I know some of the bigger churches were using it. I mm-hmm. didn't have a lot of use for it. In fact, my Facebook page wasn't even open in January of 2020. And um, I remember we were Christmas shopping at the Castleton Mall. And I was sitting in a uh, massage chair eating Sub-Zero ice cream. Oh, man. And this fella was on break, and he come over and sat by me, and he said, you know, I think you might be the most relaxed human being I've ever seen. And I said, I think I might be the most relaxed (laughs) human being you've ever seen. And he said, do you mind if I broadcast you to the world? And I said, yeah, sure. And he put me on Facebook Live, and he was sitting there interviewing me, and people loved it. And when he got up to leave, I said, what is that that you were using there? And he said, Facebook Live. I said, that's a good idea. I might use that. And so we started broadcasting on it in January. And lo and behold, when the day came, you know, middle of March, middle towards the end of March, I said, all right, let's let's, let's, let's just keep going, and we're going to put the whole thing on there. And, um yeah, the first week we had about 250 to 300 views. At one point we had north of 400, which means conservatively, if you're saying two people per household, even one and a half per household, mm-hmm. 600, 700 people. That's nothing to sniff at. Watching our service. And the number has remained up around 100 to 150 every week. And what that told me was, was that people were wanting church people are having a hard time getting to church and it's still that number still tells me that there are people who want to be here just can't be here and we've got folks that watch us later in the week um you know you you have your different crowds we've done some other things online i do a bible study online you know i told god i trusted him and i do and he asked me to work with him on this and in the two years since this nonsense started, I've probably, with my ministry, my personal ministry, reached more people in that two years than the other 18 combined. This has been, and I don't like it. No. I don't like the situation we're in. I would go back to December 2019 in a heartbeat mm-hmm. and start over. But this is the ultimate case of when life gives you lemons. It is not up to you to fix the world. It is not up to you to make sense of the world. It is simply the only thing you can do is react. How do you react? Well, you keep your wits and you make the best of the situation. I'm never going to like this time period. If I live to be 70, 80 years old, I will look back on this time period and still get mad. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt about it. Right. And let me tell you something. They ain't locking me up nowhere either. I'm, I'm going to be... My my niece Madison will receive instructions. I'm hoping I have kids. But if I don't, she will receive instructions, as will my goddaughters, to prop me up in a casino and leave me there until I die. If I'm that bad, <laughs> it ain't going to matter anyway. 
Don't hook me up to machines. Don't leave me to deal with nurses. I don't want, you know, I'm hard to deal with. Mm-hmm. Save them the trouble. Take me, prop me up at the casino. I'm not going to lose all the money. Hmm. No way. But, uh, you know, it's a frustrating time. But it's what you make of it. As, and I think that's the lesson that too many people have missed in this. Is how to make the best of a bad situation. Mm-hmm. We're, we're someday going to go back to where things will feel normal again. And if you didn't get that lesson, I'll feel bad for you. Because we took so much for granted. And um, you know, it didn't necessarily work out. In a way, it, and it shows people have reacted negatively. They've lashed out. There's been violence. There's been hatred. It's up to you to react. Yeah. It says a lot about you how you do. Mm-hmm. Also, real quick off the rack, um, the sinus infection has affected my vision, um, which makes me wonder exactly what's going on in there. I'm going to have to find out eventually. Yeah. Um, I'm having to lift my glasses to read stuff, uh, which is something my dad does. Happy birthday, Dad. My dad turned 71 years young on January 8th. Oh, man. Shares a birthday with Elvis. Oh, yeah. And um, he does the same thing. Puts his glasses up to, to read stuff up close. Um, so we'll get to uh, what Lauren has to look forward to later with a story about my mom and my dad. Ooh, I'm looking forward to that. But um, for now, you know, and you could start right now. How you react to this says a lot about who you are. Who are you? So as we go forward, just know you can handle this the way you want to handle it. And that may be the only thing you get to control, Mm -hmm. but you get to control that. So... I am eager to hear about this uh, just bag of feed, Harry, here. Well, We're going to the farm report, and I know Matt worked his hind end off, as did many farmers, during this crisis. And it was actually, I think, the market's been pretty good. It, so It's been really, yeah, we'll get into So, that. Matt, let Harry have it here. I'll tell you what. I mean, I... Because my wife, because we, you know, we had it at the house and everything, I stayed away from everybody. Um, my dad and my sister, I'd already been around them, so they were kind of in my, Lord help me, I hate using this term, but my pod. Um, but uh, luckily I was able to be around them. My dad had had all, he'd had, you know, the sh- bow shots and the booster. Um, my sister had had all three of them and everything. And like I said, I wasn't feeling bad. I had... A day or two that I wasn't feeling the greatest, but I kind of chalked it up. I thought it was a reaction to the shot. So if I did have it, great, I'm through it. If I didn't have it, well, then, you know, woohoo. But uh, so I didn't get a chance to really see Harry, but I did drive by his place and I see it. Now, let me tell you something. I, have, I am more confident in the way that my place looks. And I'd drive by and I'd see him sitting there on the porch. And I'd be like, and I know he knows what truck I drive. And I said, Harry. And I would literally look at him and think, you know what, Harry? 
after all this is said and done, you and me are going to have words. They ain't going to be pretty. We might have a few policemen called on us, but we're going to settle this at the end of it. But, uh, no, I mean, the everything was... COVID didn't really stop farming. I mean, everybody, I mean, and that was a thing, that was hard for me to understand for a while. Like, oh, you can't go, you know, the, the grocery stores are open, but the restaurants are closed. It's a drive-thru only, whatever. All right, well, it hit right about the time of planting season. So, I legitimately, I mean, I'd get up. I didn't have to go to work because I worked for a school. And, uh... I'd get up, I'd go, and I'd start my day. And I'd just spend all day out in the field. The best form of social distancing, by the way. Let me tell you, the tractor cab. But, um, you know, I I just kind of stayed away from everybody. I, you know, I guess I was careful in everything. And people ask me, like, aren't you going to wear a mask? I'm like, why? If I catch it, I catch it. I mean, that, that was just, I took that, you know, right off the bat. And whether it was selfish or not, I don't know. But, uh, you know, we still, we grew a crop in all this. We harvested a crop, sold a crop, sold cat. I mean, I raised cattle and, you know, sold cattle throughout the, the this whole pandemic and everything. And didn't really change anything with me. And the agriculture industry just changed, changed maybe how we had to do it later on. Um, and like I said... <clears throat> the markets were really good. The yields did pretty good. Um, so, you know, guys, we were out, you know, if you're out there and you're farming, you got, you know, we all know that we kept the wheels turning a little bit. We we tried to help feed this world, even in the midst of a shutdown. And uh, we still got more to do. We got another crop in us, I got a feeling. Um, you know, so hopefully... Uh, hopefully you didn't lose your mind. The only the only downside to it was we couldn't have we couldn't go to auctions we couldn't go to sales you know, and uh, everything went to online only. And there's some auctioneers I know that they've said I'll never call another sale again. I like the online thing. It's easy and you know I make more money doing it. Okay, well I didn't pay fifteen hundred bucks for an education just to be able to sit behind a computer, so. <clears throat> but, uh, you know, that's just kind of the way, that's just the way things are, you know, in the third, you know, I kind of, I liken it to, I liken it to uh, farmers in the Depression, you know, in the 30s, you know, when they had the Dust Bowl, they had, you know, you know, uh, not great grain prices, we had droughts, things like that. We have people losing farms left and right, wondering, am I going to be the one to lose it tomorrow? They still kept a fed, they still kept this nation fed. They still kept going. They, I mean, they didn't know. They just knew, they knew what their job was. And we took that assignment and ran to the, you know, took it to the max this time. So, um, you know, and we've still kept doing it. So, um, if you're out there and you're not a farmer and you're listening, I promise we're going to keep going for you. We're going to try and keep uh, keep production going for you so you don't have to worry about where your bowl of cornflakes or where your hamburger is going to come from tomorrow, um, which is what we've been trying to do from day one. And now, 
we're moving on to, a, to our next segment, which is what our wives have to look forward to. This is a story. Uh, the lovely Lauren Davis is married to this gentleman, who apparently is becoming more and more like his father every single day. And I'm anxious to see what the story is today. Glenn, take us there. Well, and sticking with our COVID theme and having a good jolly with it, uh, my father, as mentioned, was 69 years old when the uh, the nonsense hit. So he had the ability to go in and shop, also being a disabled veteran, before anyone else could go into the store. So he got privileges, and he didn't know this until I started working at Aldi. He was uh, not, they were having trouble finding potatoes. And I said, well, Dad, you know you can go to the store at 7 o'clock, and you can go in there and shop till about 9, and no one else really could come in other than, you know, other folks with disabilities things. And he said, shut up, you for <laughs> real? And I said, yeah. You could walk in early, get everything you need, which I know for a fact ain't that much, and you can move on your merry way. So my father started waiting till about 10 minutes before general population could go into a store. And he would walk past that line like he had a pack backstage pass. <laughs> And he would be walking by people he knew. He's like, hey, Jerry, need some of that cheese whiz? You know, I'm heading in right now. I can hook you up. Like a 25-year-old trying to buy beer for (laughs) high schoolers. You know, like, hey, I got the end on the toilet paper, you know. I can hook you up. (coughs) So my dad became notorious in the greater Grant County area for just walking past lines like Vince McMahon coming to the ring <laughs> to announce that he was stripping the title from somebody. So, uh, you know what? Might as well enjoy yeah. yourself, right? I think the funnier one is my mother is super old-fashioned in her thinking, super old-fashioned in her approach to life. Hand to God, it's refreshing. And... Um, my mother, in the last 10 years, has lost about 60 pounds. And I think she looks fantastic. And she's had some serious health issues that she's had to do that. And we're all very proud of her. And, uh, but like I said, she's, she's very old-fashioned in her thinking. So she has used VHS tapes and DVDs over the last 30, 40 years to exercise. And some of her favorite stuff is the old Richard Simmons tapes, which are amazing. Oh, please don't tell me she used... She Sweating use, to the oldies, maybe. Uh, she, doesn't use, <laughs> she doesn't use buns of steel, does she? I don't think she does buns of oh, steel. Man. Oh, man. <clears throat> so, obviously, at this point with the technology, because Dad insisted on upgrading their TV packages and their cable packages, and they've got a smart TV now and all this stuff, my mother kind of cornered me when I was at the house the other day, and she goes, Glenn, I just don't know what I'm going to do. It's cold. It's really, really cold. And I don't want to get a gym membership. I don't want to be around that many people. She, It's not COVID. She's just not a big people person. Mm-hmm. And uh, she said, I don't know what to do. So 
do you know where I can buy a portable DVD player? And I said, uh, no, <laughs> because that's kind of an old. I don't even sentence. I don't even know where to begin. Uh, maybe a truck stop. eBay, maybe. Maybe a truck stop. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. She said, "Well, I really need to get my hands on one." And I asked the question, "Why?" She said, "Well, I've got these exercise DVDs and." I want to use them, but I just, I can't, I, I don't have anything to play them on. Right. This is where my mother has an advantage over almost anyone else in the world. If you can teach her how to do something, she only needs to be shown once. She'll That's been her. remarkable in her life. You show her one time, she's got it. So I introduced my mother to YouTube. Oh my. My mother has found a channel on YouTube where a 35-year-old woman walks with her elderly mother and grandmother in the comfort of their own den to different music sets of music that my mother enjoys. And my mother gets a kick because the Grandma just kind of gets tired of them about halfway through and sits down for about 10 minutes. <laughs> and um, I'll be, she's having the time of her life. Oh, she like it? Yeah. So my dad's out copping attitude with people in line, doing it completely on purpose. Front, just fronting everybody. <laughs> like, what? What? And my mother learned to use YouTube. So the next time you're feeling down about all the things going on around you, COVID-related or not. If you're listening to this, a hundred years from now, around a dusty old laptop, I don't know why you're listening to this. (laughs) Around a dusty laptop, just remember there was a time when we as Americans were challenged (coughs) mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and... I started broadcasting on Facebook Live when I didn't even have a Facebook account. My father copped an attitude walking by people in line going into the store like he had a backstage pass, baby. (laughs) If you saw the South Park episode where they had the COVID shots and only old people could get them and they were copping at that was him. (laughs) And my mother who wanted a portable DVD player for Christmas, was introduced to YouTube and now uses it like a boss. Real, well, that's awesome. The next time you're feeling down about yourself, just remember, like I said earlier, it's about how you react to mm-hmm. it, folks. So we're going to move in to talk about the kids now. Um, Jezebel and Cleopatra. I've missed those cats, by the way. Had one of the funniest responses to the shutdown that I've still ever seen and I think that I will ever hear about. My wife worked from home for almost a full year Mm -hmm. before she went back to the office. Never went in. Where's the Eli Lilly? I am dead serious when I tell you that our cats would come up to her at certain points of the day, 
get in her face and kind of paw at her face. Hand to God, I swear our cats were asking her, did you get fired? (laughs) Asa was confused. Like, she would take him out for walks. I would take him out for walks. He's like, hey, I'm all for walking around sniffing stuff, but is something wrong? Like, our pets were convinced that we got fired. (laughs) So, uh, it's nice to be worried about, I guess, but... uh, after a while, they start kind of copping an attitude like, you know, you can go somewhere else for a while. It's, it's fine. <laughs> you don't have to stay in the house. Like, well, yeah, I kind of do. So they've been fun during the shutdown. And um, I'm eager to hear, well, L- Lorraine's gotten better. So that's good to hear. How's Lorraine doing? I'll tell you what. It is. It has been hard on her not being able to come up and hug her daddy. Um, my God. I saw her today because, you know, you can kind of, you can be in the same area, but you just, you know, you have to maintain distance and all that jazz in your own home, but oh well. Um, but we were sitting there and we were literally, I'm looking at her and I'll bet she's grown six inches since I saw her, like in person the last time. Her hair's gotten longer and um, she's doing very well. Again, she uh, had a fever for about a day and a half, two days. And uh, after that, she was fine. She felt fine. Um, her normal bouncy self. And we are... Like, tomorrow is the day that they can come out and hug and kiss and whatever. And I am literally counting the hours to that. I'm literally looking forward to it. I'm excited for it. Um, but she's doing very good, I think, in all this. Um but I'm just going to say I miss my baby. I do. But I know that we're on the downhill slope of it. So that that is a comfort. It's not going to be as long as it's been. Mm-mm. <clears throat> so, yeah, everybody's doing great, all things considering. So now we're going to move on to, I'm, I'm anxious, it's been a while, commercials that either tick or... Bring a smile to Glenn's face. Glenn, I gotta know, where are we at? As far as uh, commercials go, the commercials about... I've gotten a good laugh as the commercials have gone with COVID-19 because at first it was stay in the house, shut your mouth, and don't bother nobody. And I was like, well, that's aggressive. And then it was, we've almost got the shot. You should go and thank Big Pharma. I saw that commercial, Matt. Are you serious? Big Pharma. Aren't you glad we're around? I swear to you, it was it was there. Did the purge sound go off after that <laughs> or something? Well, it makes me think that they're not big Bernie Sanders fans. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no joke. And then it was... Hey, the shot's available. Go get your shot. And then it was, hey, seriously, go get your shot. And then it was, if you don't get your shot, we're going to make you get your shot. I kid you not. And you, you, you will remember this. It wasn't but a week after Election Day when some of those governors that they thought for sure were going to win lost, the commercials changed to, eh, get it or not. Whatever. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah. I mean, the tone. The, the narrative. It's like that. that. I mean, it, all of a sudden, it was like hammer It's nailed. up to you. It is? Yeah, it's like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm so flattered. <laughs> my goodness, I get to make my own decision? Yeah, what? It, it was one of those things. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's almost like they were writing him. They're like, boys, we got to figure this out. Apparently, being mean to him isn't working. What do we do? And some pipsqueak in the back corner is like, can we be nice to them again and tell them it's up to them? Nope, we're not going to do that. No, no, no. We'll just tell them we don't care. Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, that, that'll, be, that'll be all right. So, I've gotten quite a kick out of those. But the, the Big Pharma one got me because, you know, I don't well, Big, Big Pharma was under such fire and has been under such fire. Yeah. How quickly we forget. Yeah. That, uh, you know, a big topic of the of the approaching election before everything went crazy was are we going to gut the medical industry do we need to completely redo it do we need to socialize it like and all of a sudden aren't you glad big pharma's still around i yeah. was like if you can't see my face i had a shocked look on my face that... i was just like that doesn't seem suspicious at all. I mean, again, it's like, <laughs> God bless our new founding fathers. It's like, ooh, ooh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to volunteer as tribute and just get it over with. <laughs> I'm not even going to fight him. I'm just going to stand on my podium. First person hits me with a spear, I'll give him a chocolate. <laughs> so, uh, so, I mean, that's really, I, it's been funny to watch the evolution of COVID commercials, but the big pharma one scared me. I was just, I was sitting there, I was, it was like, hey, the shot's almost done, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad they're still around, huh? Huh? Can we stay? Don't socialize medicine. I'm like, okay, do, 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 do. Yeah, I'm like, um. That's terrifying. It's kind of like a kid who, he, he thinks he's gotten away with something, and he's acting all like cocky and smooth and everything around everybody. Even though he has duct taped the vase back together and put it in the corner so that mom can't see it. But eventually, in a couple of years, when she goes to clean that thing, she's going to find it eventually. I ever tell you I broke a figurine and glued it back together and no one ever found out? You did, yeah. We talked about that on the show. Oh, gosh. It's probably been a month ago now. but I still can't believe it. Wait, I, to this, I don't know which one it was. I really don't. Like... My mom sold them, and whoever that she sold them to took it. So, a regular Bob Ross over there, let me tell you. I got lucky. Yeah. The, I will say there's a, a commercial that caught me, Glenn. It's a Walgreens commercial. And it's literally all these people at a backyard barbecue. Well, it's a cookout. We don't call them barbecues here in Indiana. Um, but they're, everybody's like all around, they're sharing drinks and all this stuff. And the, this old man sitting there on his phone ordering his prescription. And a guy from Walgreens shows up in a mask and hands it to him. Like, literally walks right up to him and hands it to him. And I'm always sitting there thinking, all right, you guys have yelled at us for wanting to get together and have gatherings and all this stuff for almost two years. And now you're saying, well, that's okay, but, you know, you also have to remember the mask thing, too. It was just, I'm like... What's the point of this? Needless to say, I don't. Uh, all my prescriptions when I picked them up were from from the kidney stone. Were from CVS. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
So let's talk about the lectionary. Let's let's get gotta, to a yeah. different topic here. Um, I'm not in it anymore, so I gotta I gotta get my feed from you. Well, I'm I'm working with uh, a new series I'm gonna do over this year. Um, it's titled "What's the Deal with?" and I'm not gonna do it every week, but I'm gonna look at different books of the Bible, different tough stuff, and different books of the Bible, um, and talk about what's the deal with. Blank, this yeah. because I feel like we need to know our whole Bible, and this this next week's the first one this year. It's gonna be Obadiah. May I do one a month? Mm-hmm. And uh, Obadiah is a fascinating story. In fact, uh, my mother, when she was in high school, wanted her first child to be named Obadiah. Oh my! So she never called me Obi or anything. So. <laughs> uh, but Obadiah is a fascinating story. So when Babylon conquers Jerusalem in uh, 586 B.C., which ultimately led to the Babylonian exile, the Edomites, apparently, who were the descendants of Esau, who lived in the southeastern portion of the land between was Israel, the Israelites were required to go around them when they went into the promised land from Egypt. They were required to to uh, speak with them whenever they were considering warring with their neighbors. They were their brothers. God looked out for them. And apparently when Jerusalem fell, the Edomites not only helped Babylon, but they actually mocked the Judeans. So the book is really about them getting their comeuppance. Not so much because they betrayed Israel, but because they betrayed the grace of God. So I believe the inerrant lesson, the story to it is, we take the grace of Jesus Christ for granted. We think, ah, he'll forgive me, it'll be fine. When in reality, we are mistaking his grace for weakness. Mm -hmm. It's not. Folks, sin is a real thing. The Ten Commandments are a real thing. And if you broke them, you need the redeeming blood of Christ. And if you have it, you act a different way. If you don't and you continue to say, Ah, what's the deal? God will forgive me. Well, I hope you don't meet a sudden end. Because you're on the hook. Mm -hmm. And I believe the central message of Obadiah is don't betray the grace of God because his wrath is still real. And he shows grace by saving you at all. So this whole idea of, you know, well, I mean, I'll pray for forgiveness on my deathbed or I'll pray for forgiveness here and there. You might want to curb your behavior because it sure seemed like the Hebrews believed that the Edomites were going to pay for what they did. Because they not because they betrayed, betrayed people, but they betrayed God. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I'm working on in the lectionary. So what do you, what do you got going on over there? Anything in particular? Not quite. Um, you know, I've uh, kind of been. You know, I had last week off, so I kind of had time to organize my thoughts. And um, as I mentioned, I I am not. Uh, I started out in. Uh, the United Methodist Church, but I ended up uh, leaving um, and uh, ended up with a church that is non-denominational. Uh, it's Christian. Strong. 
Oh, good old Strong now. Um, which uh, you know we might get it. You know we'll, we'll get into that story at another in another episode. Um, it's kind of one of those. I mean, it, it it's an interesting story, but how kind of went the long way around Jericho, I guess. But uh, you know, I'm just kind of working on a few things lining up. What I what I want to work on, what I want to preach on. Um, I'm all, I'm I'm kind of working on stuff that. It's things that we know, but things that we don't necessarily give a second glance to. And working on, you know, just kind of bring refreshing people's minds on that, especially at the first of the year. You know, new year, new beginnings, new, you know, I always hate that new, the thing that always pops up on Facebook, new year, new me, all this garbage. Um, you know, I kind of want to, like, you know, for, set us up for the year looking forward, like, what are the elements of living a Christian life, and are we doing that? Are we remembering the Ten Commandments? Are we remembering the Great Commission that Jesus leaves before us? Um, so those aspects are kind of what I'm working on in my quote-unquote lectionary, I guess. Um, now we're going to move on to um, a segment. I typically do uh, something I don't understand. but this And this, it kind of does kind of tie in. I don't understand... How I ended up in the position I'm in now. How I'm in the spot that I'm in. I was probably not the guy who wanted to be, who you probably wanted to be a pastor. I've always been, I guess, decent at public speaking, but, you know, I didn't really feel like I deserved to be the one to crack open the Bible and preach out of it. And I literally, I'd kind of been struggling with it, um, kind of felt like I was being called to do it and everything. And then um, I was walking out. I had actually made plans. I was going to go into what's called the laity ministry in the United Methodist Church. And uh, I, uh, to, as a tryout, the pastor of the church where my wife and I were going, we actually were going to, but the one that was Methodist, she, um, or the, the pastor had asked me walking out, say, hey, Matt, can you preach in three weeks? Want to, get, you know, kind of make sure that you know what you're doing. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So I wrote a sermon, and, uh, it literally took me that whole two weeks to write that sermon. And, uh, I gave that sermon on that Sunday. And then the following Tuesday, the governor of our great state of Indiana came out and said, eh, everybody stay home for a couple weeks. Two weeks, that's all we need. We're going to, you know, quell this thing. Two years later, we're, you know, whatever. So I immediately thought, oh my gosh, I shut down the government by preaching in the pulpit. And I was like, what in the world? But in that time... I kind of still wanted to do the, um, um, I was still kind of wanting to, uh, you know, honestly, I think God's still kind of after you a little bit there. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, he, uh, I want to answer. It might be him. Jesus? No, it is. I'll tell you what. I'm actually getting a FaceTime <laughs> from my wife. I'll get to her. We're, we're, we got a little bit we're to round, go. We're around the corner. We're around the corner. We'll be all right. But, um, you know, I still was interested in going into the laity, and um, that's when I started meeting with you. 
Because you were the only other, you were the only pastor I really knew that, one, I kind of was friendly with, and two, I could actually have a conversation with. Um, it's the nicest thing anybody said to me this week. Well, um, and we are, and we were, um, we met on a weekly basis. We would talk for, what started out, it was like a half hour to an hour. And then eventually it started becoming, well, you know, we'll meet on Wednesday night, Tuesday night, whatever. And um, eventually it came, you know, a couple hours. Then it was, hey, why don't you come over for supper? And then it just eventually began to grow and grow and grow to where it is now. And throughout that whole thing, you navigated me. You gave me guidance. You gave me direction on it. And in that time, what became as a friendly uh, acquaintance became one of the best, you know, best friends I have in this world. And I guess, um, and you know, that is something that I guess in all this COVID mess, that's one of the blessings that I have that's come out of it. And also the ability to, uh, you know, say that I do, because I'll tell you what, best friends are hard to find in this world. They're hard to keep in this world. And having a best friend in you is something, because we're both in the same vocation, we're both um, men who are after uh, God's own heart, and, uh, you know, we can we can talk shop. I mean, especially with me only being in it for, well, right at two years, um, kind of leads me to believe that, you know, I think God's kind of pulling me in the right direction a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's something I... I don't again. I don't understand how in the world I'm. I am where I am, but I thank God every single day that I am where I am. So, I don't understand it, but I do accept it. Not like hey dudes or skinny jeans. No. <clears throat> so now we're gonna move on to. Um, we're gonna move on to our next segment, which is in other news in the schools. Um. During COVID's been hitting pretty hard at the schools. A lot of kids are going out. I know uh, a local school, Greenfield Central, they went virtual, I guess, for two days this past week. Um, which is, as uh, as of recording, we recorded this on January 16th. Um, so for the Thursday and Friday of this past week, they went virtual, which is insane um, to think of. Because I thought the whole virtual thing because of COVID was probably done. Um but uh, I kept working. I, you know, I had to abide by all the rules and regulations and everything. But I still kept working through it uh, this week, even though I had two of them at the house. But uh, Glenn, what do you have for us on that? Well, I'm a substitute, te- professional substitute teacher, and uh, this is a good time to be a professional substitute teacher. There's plenty of work out there, and. On Tuesday, in the midst of my sinus infection, I uh, had first graders. I didn't think it was a good idea, but we went for it. First graders aren't bad folks. They just got a lot of energy, and you got to move all day. About every 15 minutes, you got to have something new for them. And uh, I always get tickled when kids learn something from me. You know, I always try to make sure when I sub, (laughs) because my job as a sub is to get to 310. That's all I've been asked to do. (laughs) So, 
occasionally I'll try to slip something in there to actually teach the kids something. And that happened brilliantly on Tuesday. So we were doing an activity where I had letter tiles at the board and they had letter tiles at their desk and I was spelling out words and then they were spelling out words. And we had the word WAG, W-A-G. And I said, well, if you switch one letter here, which letter would you switch? And one of the kids said, well, I'd switch out the W. And I said, well, which letter do you want? And they said, lag. And they started giggling because they thought they made up a nonsense word. I said, actually, lag means, you know, something is taking longer than it should. Such as, my computer's not loading fast, it's lagging behind. I heard 400 examples that day those children used of the word lag. Nice. We were standing in line at the bathroom, washing our hands for lunch. Mrs. Zeishan, Mrs. Riggle, in the hallway, first grade teachers there at Eastern. And one of my students who was hungry and ready to eat was tired of waiting for two of the students who were still in the bathroom and said, Oh my gosh, our class is lagging behind today. <laughs> and I saw Mrs. Aishan laugh like I have never seen her laugh. Ms. Riggle giggled and just walked on by and I said, Hey, that's your tax dollars at work, folks, <laughs> right there. So those children walked away knowing a new word. I was in utter pain. My nose was draining, but by golly, I taught those kids a new word. <laughs> so, there you have it, folks, the life of a substitute teacher. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. So, as we talk about what's in a pastor's pocket, I think we've we've covered a lot of that. We have, um, and I actually was kind of holding back, but I do have what I'm talking about this week. Well, I'm doing Obadiah, and... Uh, you know, today we talked about uh, the future with uh, Matthew 6 as part of the uh, Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, if you will. You know, I'm going to tell you something I haven't told you before, and you're going to love this. Folks, turn it, turn it up. If you haven't heard anything else, you'll want to hear this. The Beatitudes. There is a church in Israel around the Sea of Galilee called the Church of the Beatitudes. It's on a hillside. It's probably where this event took place. This church was founded, I believe, in the 1920s by Italy. Really? Which means this church was founded by Bonito Mussolini. Mussolini? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, um... That's... I mean, that's interesting. It, and it's uh, that's exactly what we were told. It, the order there is not necessarily Italian, but I, from my understanding, Benito funded that project. Really? That's insane to think about, you know, especially what would happen, you know, 20-some-odd years later. The Beatitudes, yes, were founded by <laughs> the Church of the Beatitudes, founded, founded by Benito Mussolini. So um, a lot of fun there. And uh, we were talking about the future, you know, where birds don't worry about being fed and, you know, flowers and grass is clothed so beautifully and aren't we worth so much more to God? And 
Um, my basic landing spot was we worry so much about the future. We invest in so many things that we forget to invest, first of all, our priority in God. We get lost serving other things, wealth, fame, family, money. And the context is all around wealth. So I encourage people, instead of trying to make the future what you want it, because you can't, and we had a great moment with the, the PowerPoint. I was pretty proud of this. You know, It was crawling up a ladder out of manhole was the original picture I had, because mm -hmm. this is what we want the future to be. And then I had like a jagged path going up a mountainside. And I was like, this is what the future actually is. <laughs> we don't know where we're going. We don't. No. And if we're going to entrust God with our eternity, why wouldn't we entrust him with our now? And we closed it with uh, the great line from the Lord of the Rings, which is about 20 years old. Think about that and try to sleep tonight. Oh, that... Why? I was having such a good day. No, you weren't. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um... But it's a scary business going out your front door, and if you don't keep your feet, there's no telling where you'll be swept off to. And I amended it and finished the sermon with, but if you're hand-in-hand -hand with Jesus, it'll be exactly where you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where we were next week, Obadiah. We'll see where, where we go from there. So, Matt, it's your turn. Well, I'll tell you what, this this week, it was kind of funny you mentioned Matthew 6. I actually preached out of Matthew 6 today. Um, I preached about, after going through all the, the fun that we've had, you know, God, we go through things in life that are for a reason. You know, we, you know, we go through whatever, um, you know, we didn't get that job. Well, there's a reason why we didn't get that job, because a better one's coming down the line. Or not to get, you know, uh, oh, what's that? What's the kind of preaching that Joel Osteen does? Uh, prosperity prosperity preaching. Yeah, pr prosperity thing. You know, not to dive into that, but uh, this, you know, after, you know, being literally ripped away from my daughter, from my daughter and my wife, um, who I both find deeply beautiful. I say that because I, she listens to this show, but it's true. Matter of fact, it got to a point. I legitimately, I I did something I haven't done since for a while, and I I hold myself accountable. I write my wife love letters. I just always have. It's just I'm a sap like that. Every Valentine's Day, I do 14 days of individual love letters and notes and, you know. You have much to teach us. Well, you know. <laughs> done that ever since we've been together. We've been together eight years, I think, this February, or this June. And I've done it every single year since. Let me tell you something. That's a lot of love, that's a lot of love letters. That's a lot of clues. That's a lot of planning. But... Uh, you know, going through all that, going through a kidney stone, people say that's not that big a deal. I beg to differ. Those people haven't had one. Pretty much. My sister said, well, it was just a kidney. She's a CNA. She's worked in the medical field for, I don't know, six years now probably. And she said, it's just a kidney stone. It's no big deal. I was like, you? Mm, yeah. <laughs> mm. But going through all that, I'm like, I'm little, I was laying there in the ER. I'm like, what in the world are you trying to teach me? And it's a simple fact that I had kind of been feeling down on myself before for the couple of days before. I mean, 
you know, I didn't, I couldn't hug anybody. I couldn't love on anybody that I, you know, usually do. And, um, it just, it was breaking my heart and it's almost, I was laying there in pain. God's like, hang on a second. You do have love in your life. You do have love in your heart. The love that you have for those two girls is something that cannot be shaken as well as the love that I have for you. And that love has filled you up to the point that now you are sharing that with the people who need to hear it. And I went home and I started writing the service and I'm th sermon and I'm thinking, and it flowed easy. It's one of those sermons that it just came to me. So I preached on, you know, the love of God is something that we can legitimately draw and find comfort in. And it does not need to fill our heart with worry. We do not need to have worry in our lives because when we have that love in there, and we have that comfort, we can and, sh and shall go through anything without a minute's hesitation, without any worry in there. Um, so that's what I preached on today. This coming week, um, it'll be about how um, it's a sermon. I've kicked it around for about a month now, and I kept wanting to do it. But, you know, we were kind of in Advent and everything, so I thought, well, you know, I'll hold it until afterwards. But it's, uh, it's the sermon of, topic of why do we get mad in church? You know, we, you know, you get involved with a group, you get involved with the ladies' auxiliary, whatever, and you start off like a ball of fire, and then one little thing doesn't go your way, or it things change, or whatever, and you literally throw your hands up and pull out, and you get mad at it. And maybe that even pretends, or that even makes you want to pull out completely and not, um, not want to be, you know, involved in anything. Not even go to service anymore. And I'm like, why? I mean, it happens all the time. And why? What is the point? There's a reason why God calls for us to get together together as a body of believers in His name. And it's not. I'm not trying to make this a service about you know church attendance or anything, but. I honestly think we need to look at why we get mad in church, and is it legit? Is it a legitimate reason, or is it a re or is it because things aren't going our way? And I think you know that's something that we look at it, we kind of talk about it behind closed doors, but we just leave it. You know, we leave it on the table. Next meeting, we'll handle it. We're gonna handle it next week. So that's what I have. Um, you know, on the docket for next week. Well, folks, um, I believe that blings, Brent blings us, brings us to... We can, we can be blinged. We can, well, we're blinged out already. We can be bought. I Flattery mean, will get you everywhere. it can, yes. We are looking for sponsors. So, you know, out there, if you're looking for, uh, a, you know, a way to throw a couple bucks away, you know, there's a podcast out there who is looking for a sponsor. Bex Hybrids, if you're listening... The Matt's uh, Hats Off to You moment is done with a Bex Hybrid Seed Hat. So, if you're out there and you're listening, um, you know, and I do buy seed off of you, so, you know, if you want to talk, we'll talk. 
Um, and actually, Glenn, you've probably seen on my computer, I actually have added a nice little piece of decor. They've come out with a new slow, a new thing, and it says, it's Bex Hybrids, founded in faith, forged in America. There you go. And that's probably one of the best mantras I've heard, one of the best taglines I've heard in a long time. Um, but, friends, we thank you for tuning in. I know this is an episode that not a lot of us like to hear, but I hope that we've brought a little bit of... Maybe a little bit of laughter to you. Maybe we've brought a little bit of clarity. If you f- if you felt like this whole thing has been blown way out, way out of proportion, well, hopefully you found somebody else who agrees with you. Or if you've been kind of curious or concerned or worried about it, I hope that you found a little bit of solace in what we've talked about tonight. Friends, my sign-off to you is be out there, be safe. But also, don't forget to live your life. Just because this is going on doesn't mean that you have to stop being you. God calls for each of us to go forth and proclaim to all nations about who His Son is and who He is and that the love that He has for us. And baptize believers in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I don't know a force on this earth, COVID included, that can stop me from doing that. So, friends, this is Matt Heath signing off for you, and we'll take it to Glenn for our final sign-off, as we do every week. Friends, I'm going to tell you, it's, I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to be back in the recording in Glenn's office. Um, Don't change and, much. It doesn't, no. But uh, we're excited to be back into it. I'm going to throw you off next week, and we'll change everything. Oh, my goodness, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are, too. Folks, as always, this is Pastor Matt signing off, and we're going to take it to Glenn. Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. May he lift his countenance to you and give you peace. Good night, Lindy and Kessid. Good morning, Vladivostok, where the time is 109. There we go. God bless you guys. Goodbye. God bless everybody.